a lot of you um, never knew that hymn. Um, it's, a, it's an ancient one. I think it probably goes back to the 17th century. But, but the truths that it speaks of are true for today, as if it was written this morning, right? And what I loved about that last verse was that even when it seems like everything is going wrong, right? Even when it seems like the world around us is, is literally going to hell in a handbasket, forgive me, right? God's word remains true. We've read the back of the book, right? Jesus wins. And the body of Christ, like we're saying, is victorious. So don't, don't despair. Don't give up hope. Let's go. Let's do it right now while you're standing. Let's go to God's Word in whatever form you have it. Let's reaffirm who we are in Jesus Christ. Would you do that? Turn in your Bibles or in your, on your phone, if you would, to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, where we got our memory verse just a moment ago. The conversation actually begins earlier. and Next week, if we have time, we will go back and, and pick that up. But for the sake of time today, we're going to jump right into the middle of the conversation that Paul is having with the Corinthian church. I know my uh, mentor, when I was in seminary, called it the Californian church, right? First Californians. And, uh, and we were in California, so he could say that. Um, but it, it, we're jumping right into a conversation that Paul is having about how God overcomes even our brokenness. Follow with me, would you, as we begin in verse 12. For the Apostle Paul says, Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though, mem- uh, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, Slave or free, Paul in his discussion with Galatians and also with Romans would add, would add uh, women, men. He, he breaks down every single barrier that humanity would raise and says in Christ, when we are baptized into Christ, we are made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member. Don't, don't picture church member here. Picture a body analogy now. It does not consider just one part of the body. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were, were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be, right? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be its sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Can I repeat that scripture just for a second? God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were just a single member, where would the body be? So as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need 
of you. Some of us have temporarily or permanently been in that situation. We know exactly what he's talking about, don't we? On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Congregation, you're so good at this. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And conversely, if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The very word of God. Thank you, God. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. You may be seated. Well, goodness, you doing all right? You can feel that heat. Don't, do not be afraid to do that number. Uh, I remember in the sound booth of our old facility, there was from way back when a funeral home uh, fan from the days when there was no air conditioning. So you go for it. In fact, do it extra hard so some of that gets up here. Would you do that? <laughs> oh, wow. We want to think today on a day when we met as a congregation, on a day when you... When you elected your future leadership, sorry, I'm adjusting that just for a second. Sorry, Jason. Um, on a day when, when we're being the body, we wanted to just think about the beauty and the celebration, even holiness of that task. I could have gone to uh, Romans chapter 12. I could have gone to Ephesians chapter 4. I could have gone countless places because the new testament is chock full the whole bible is chock full of references to this this gathering the old testament called it the uh, excuse me the new testament calls it the ecclesia the the gathering of called out ones and in fact there's six or seven different metaphors in scripture for this body i'll mention some of them to you and just invite you to pursue them would be worthy. Worthy. Just take one a day and drink deep of this mystery, which is Christ in us, our hope of glory, and us together representing Him. But today, I just wanted to go back for a second and, and revisit truths. We all have joined the journey at different points. If you're like me, um, oftentimes you forget. You forget these truths and you go, oh my, how many times, uh, God, are you going to have to remind me of that truth? I just wanted to remind you of of some beautiful truths. If right now you're panicking because you're looking at two pages of notes and saying, how in the world are we going to do that? We'll we'll just go as far as we can and then we'll pick it up next week. Does that sound good? Um, let Let me just talk first. Why? Why is community so important? And from the very beginning, when we studied Genesis together, to the very end of of Scripture, when we studied Revelation together, there's this 
overarching, powerful truth that God exists in community. Uh, For some of you, that's a brand new thought because you're so used to thinking about God the Father or or maybe God the Son or, or God the Spirit. And, and in this mystery that you understand as Trinity, you know that they're, they're one. But you haven't thought of it in terms of community, right? If God exists in community from before the foundation of the world, doesn't it make sense that God would want us to experience community as well? If we are to be like him, right, then then we are not going to understand him unless we are in community together. I'm going to take it. I'm going to I'm going to say it even stronger. We were created for community. Right. We were created for community. Now, oftentimes along the way, people people get wounded and they get hurt and 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 many succumb to that temptation to say this is just less painful and easier, honestly, if I just go the solo route, right? If I don't ever attach myself to someone else, right? And then, and then all of a sudden, we just experience that extreme aloneness. We experience, I'm going to take it stronger, we experience that loneliness, and we realize we were not created for this, right? At some point, we have to ask ourselves, we'll address this in other times and other seasons, but how do we, when we are, when we are in division, how do we come together, right? Well, big secret to that is in our passage today. We're not going to find. If you and I are in disagreement, we've actually been able to work together over the years. Um, Michelle, if you and I are in disagreement together, or as I'm prone to do, I say something stupid, and you, you're tempted to, to say, I, I think I'll just take a step back. Thank you. Um, you come to that place where you realize just one crucial conversation might bring reconciliation, right? Might bring this back together. You're an amazing, gifted woman. I'm enjoying so much hearing the stories of how, since, since we work together, how God is blessing, blessing your life. But you can't do this alone, right? You have to, you have to have community, not just here. That's why we spent so much energy when we were together at Hamilton Point, um, building community there, right? So that so that we could, so that we could serve God together in community. So God exists in community, and we were created for community. But through death, uh, excuse me, through Christ's death on the cross, we've been invited into community. Now, no. Um, I'm not just, that's going to be the bulk of my time today, is talking about this community, a local expression of the body of Christ. But do not miss what Christ did on the cross, right? When Christ became flesh and dwelt among us, he left the community which he had been experiencing from eternity past, right, and became like us. So there was a, a powerful sense where now all of a sudden he's taken on human limitations and come to earth. And right and, and, and on earth he he spoke to us, he taught us of spiritual things, of relational things. And, and then and then in the ultimate act of love, which we kind of celebrated last week, he offered himself in our place, right? But don't miss what was happening there. God, uh, in Jesus Christ, left the community 
became flesh, and walked on this earth for 33 years, if our calculations are correct, right? But when he died on the cross, not only, and was resurrected, not only did he return to that community, but he invited us into that community as well. What? You, beloved, are invited into the fellowship that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have enjoyed, ouch, from eternity past and into eternity forever, right? God opened up the fellowship that he's enjoyed and invited you into it. Well, why don't we just skip everything else and just live there? Well, one day we will. One day we will. One day there won't need to be this community because we will be in that community face to face. Won't that be glorious? Oh, my goodness. That's what we were singing about earlier. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be wonderful. But in the meantime, God has given us this, right? He's given us community right here on earth. It is still spiritual community. But as we say so often, it's, it's love with flesh on. It's, it's people who walk the same path that we walk, right? So we've been invited into community with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We've been commanded in the Great Commission to immerse ourselves in it, right? That was in the, the Great Commission. In your going, make fully devoted followers of all people groups, immersing them in the nature and character of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? We've been commanded to do this. We've been commanded to go all in. What does that mean for now? What is community here, right? I'm just going to play with the English words. I just get so tickled doing this because I find out there's so much deep meaning in the words that we use. But, but a community in the English sense of the word is a people with a common unity, right? People with a common unity. What is our common unity? Christian community is the spirit-led fellowship of people who desire to glorify Jesus Christ. I had a longer sentence to begin with. Really, it's the desire to glorify God through Jesus Christ, right? But, but that is our common unity. Now, uh, most of us know one answer to the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is the chief purpose or end of humanity? Help me. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Can we say that together? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Now that's going to mean that glorious, that glorious uh, experience we have when we stand face to face with the community of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But that also means right now. We get to enjoy Him right now. The kingdom of God is right now. The body of Christ is right now, right? So I wanted to just invite you. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on one Metaphor that the Bible uses, but I want to. Uh, um, the Bible has several metaphors for Christian community, right? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the body from our passage 
today in 1 Corinthians 12. But, but down, do you see that? Did I put it in light, maybe print for you? Um, uh, there are several. The bride, Ephesians 5. The building, the temple, Ephesians 2.20. The priesthood of all believers, Exodus 19, 1 Peter 2. The flock, uh, John 10 and Psalm 23. The branches, John 15. The family, I, God just brought to my mind this morning, that we, we are family. The scripture describes us as a family. There's all these other metaphors for the body of Christ. So those go by too fast. Those are in your notes. So, so yeah, you're good. Um, but let's go back. Let's go back for a few moments and just think about this one metaphor here uh, today. Uh, the body. What does it mean that we are a body, right? Uh, the key thought here, if I just had to kind of say, what is the overarching imagery going on in that metaphor of the church as the body of Christ is unity in diversity. Unity in diversity. Now, because of the culture wars raging right now, some of you just shut off when I said diversity, right? But you cannot, beloved. Uh, first of all, because Paul won't let you, right? He brings up very specific uh, aspects of racial uh, um, I'm using gender in my sense of the word gender. Uh, gender, male and female, right? Uh, and nationalities, right? There, um, uh, appearance, there's just myriad ways that we are not the same and yet called together. And what happened when Christ broke the power of sin and disease and death was that all those barriers came down, right? If they are up, in our culture now, it's because we're keeping them up. We're propping them up. Christ broke them down. And so we have this amazing privilege now of, of recognizing that everyone we lay eyes on who has confessed Jesus Christ as Lord is a part of the body of Christ. But Paul does a couple of quick things in his, in his exposition on this body. He talks, first of all, that the body is a unit, right? Uh, It's a whole, even though it has many parts, right? Even though it has many parts. So he's setting up this analogy of hands and feet and different things. He's saying there is one body. This is one body. It has many members, but it's one unit, right? Um, This unit is getting beyond its warranty, but it is one unit, right? Uh, but, But... just as one human body has many parts, Paul says, so it is with the body of Christ, right? Uh, uh, it, we are one body. By the way, I'm not going into it today, but in other places he talks about under the leadership of one head, right? You just elected elders and deacons, ordained leaders, but their job is to represent Jesus, Their job is to seek his face. Their job is to point you toward the head of the church, the head of the body, Jesus Christ, right? So the the body, the human body is a unit, and so is the body of Christ, right? And again, here he very specifically points out all the things in their culture that would 
divide. And let me just press pause for a second because we are, uh, I'm going to make a rash statement, but we are living in a time I've never seen in my not-so-brief lifetime, I've never seen so much cultural division, right? And I'm, I'm not sure that I've seen as much in my lifetime division within the church, right? And Paul's saying that should not be. But make no mistake, some of that division is because of sin. Some of that division is because we disagree on how human beings can flourish, right? Either individually or, or uh, in community. And, and, and that's what I love about our church. Now I'm thinking of capital C Church, the, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. There are very few things that we will divide over, but we will divide over them, right? Um, We can't pretend that something that is untrue is true, right? Uh, And and we cannot sacrifice what myriad men and women have died for in theological truths as well. Um, So uh, in our training with our elders and deacons, we just reminded ourselves of that again. There are eight essentials that we will not, we will not um, sacrifice. Most of them have to do with Christology, with who Jesus is. But some of them have to do with, uh, one of them in particular has to do with the authority of Scripture. Gosh, it has been almost 30 years since we hosted in our foyer uh, our, de- our former denomination, a gathering on the authority of Scripture. I don't know if you remember that. But it was there that we realized that what we thought was true was at risk. And over the years that intervened, um, we discovered that our greatest fears were realized. And and the reason that that we separated ourselves, I guess we didn't really separate. We stood for truth and they invited us, they voted us off the island. Um, But the reason that that happened was because we believed that Scripture is true and all that it speaks of, right? And and so you're going to be face-to-face with that. Don't don't be confused. Um, The body of Christ is not everyone who is ever created. Uh, Everyone who is ever created has inherent dignity and worth. Amen? Some of you want to wait a second. Um, they do. They're created in God's image, right? But that does not mean that they are part of the body of Christ. We need to make that simple distinction in our minds. Everyone you lay eyes on has inherent value created in God's image. But, but in many cases, including mine, that image has been deformed by the choices that I made, Right? And, and that's why I'm so grateful for Jesus, right? He, he, he pays the penalty for the deformation caused by my, I want to say stupidity, but my, but my choices and, and this portion of the journey of my life. I, I, I've just come again to that place where it could have been so much easier if I would have just received the wisdom of God 
as a gift and followed it and followed it. But there are many people in your life who are making other choices. That does not, that does not mean that they're not inherently valuable. It just means that, that sometimes those choices preclude them from the body of Christ. What I want to talk to you about is the body today. Because if the world is ever going to see how people overcome conflict, I don't know why I looked at you, um, um, if the world is ever going to see what Jesus looks like, it's going to be through the collective way we love and listen and lead one another. Okay? So, so the things that we're talking about this morning seem so simple, but, but they're so crucial to, to the kingdom of God. They're so crucial to the propagation of the gospel. So the human body is a unit. So it is with the body of Christ. I'm looking for my markers here, and I'm out of it. Uh, let me just hit a couple more points, and we'll pick the rest up later. Um, Christ's body resembles the human body. And every single part of it is important in its own part. Let me just, let me just invite the worship team up, if I could, and, and, and finish this portion of the study. We'll complete this next week together. But finish this portion of the study by, by challenging, don't miss the fact that God has arranged the parts of the human body according to his divine wisdom. Doesn't that speak to our culture right now? God created us exactly how he wanted. He didn't make a mistake. There wasn't, there wasn't any confusion on his part, right? God arranged the parts of the human body just as he wanted them to be. So God has arranged the parts of his spiritual body just the way he wants them to be. I'm going to jump in my notes to something that will come next week. But right here, I just want to say that that, uh, this body is changing constantly, and yet it's still the body of Dave, right? This body is changing constantly. You are growing. You are, you are making courageous choices. You are living in covenant with God. And every time that you're faithful in that covenant, you grow more like him. So over the course of time, though he has arranged every part of it, he didn't say that you're going to do this forever. Um, uh, Though Ann Taylor's probably thinking that in terms of, of, of setting up communion, right? Uh, no, you're growing, beloved. And, and, and your growth is so critical to the growth of the body as well, right? So every part of the body is important in its own right. The parts of the body which seem not important, which seem weaker, if you've ever had a hangnail, if you've ever um, sprained a pinky, um, they're indispensable. They're indispensable. Beloved, you are the, are the body of Christ, right? And, and he loves you and, and has uniquely created you a masterpiece. And a part of, of your declaring his glory, a part of your living into who you're created to be is to be a part of the body of Christ. So thank you. Next week we'll, 
we'll focus on uh, what does that mean? How do we discover our passions, our giftedness? But the most critical aspect is that you step into it. Um, that you step into who you were created to be as a part of the body of Christ. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you so much for the Apostle Paul and just his amazing insights into, into not only who we are, but who we are together as a part of the body of Christ. God, we confess that, that oftentimes we're overwhelmed. The culture around us, the world, even our own flesh, certainly the evil one just seems to be conspiring, God, to tear the body of Christ apart. And Father, even we, we confess that sometimes we have been critical of the bride of Christ. And so, so God, as we enter into this couple-week period where we think deeply about who we are, our calling, our giftedness, our commitment to one another, God, would you affirm for us again what's really important? Would you affirm for us, God, what we believe? God, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory in Jesus' name.